become a bit more aware about your emotions. Uh, and once you are feeling something, why don't you go deeper and say, okay, wh what is this coming from? What is this telling me? What for is this feeling? Because everything is telling us something. So that would be my first advice. And, and it's, it's a very powerful uh, way to really evolve as, a, as an indi individual, not being afraid of talking to our feelings. This is a Life in Motion audio experience, a podcast about travel, action sports, culture, and more. What's up? And welcome to episode 81 of Life in Motion. I've got Louis Gallardo with me, who is the founder of the World Happiness Foundation. Their mission is to have 10 billion free, conscious, and happy people by 2050. I don't know about you, but I've got to agree that we need to spread more happiness in our world, and I'm excited to learn just what they're doing to make it happen. Uh, thank you for being a guest on the show today. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I'm so uh, excited to be here. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's cool, and it's it's. I still think it's kind of funny, you know, how how we connected in the first place by you know some of our past guests with no barriers, and then you're involved with them, and you said, hey, what about this organization? So. Uh, it's it's cool to be able to learn about um, new organizations along kind of this journey. So I'm excited to to have you on today. Yes, I love it. And, and what we say is that they there are no barriers to happiness. Yeah. Oh, yep. so, <laughs> so probably some of your guests know a bit more about no barriers. It's all about uh, actually uh, bringing some hope and some light to people who struggle, uh, people with uh, persistent struggles and disabilities. Uh, and the World Happiness Foundation is, is setting kind of the framework and uh, the tool, bringing the tools, the skills, and the international outreach to bring happiness to every corner of the world. So they both are super, super complementary to what, to what the world needs today. Yeah, yeah, they definitely, definitely go hand in hand. Um, but before we jump into, um, before we jump into all of that, let's go ahead and start with who you are, you know, where you're from, where you grew up, kind of, you know, what, what kind of got you to this point in your life today where you're, you know, making these impacts through these different organizations and the World Happiness Foundation and all that good stuff. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm a, I was born in Madrid, Spain. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah. I'm bringing as well a bit of this Latino flavor to everything that is going on today in the United States. Um, so I, I think from a very young age, I really wanted to be a citizen of the world. It's like, okay, I see that we have a planet. Why do we have all these boundaries? And I, that was part of my questioning all the time. Why, why people identify so hardly with something and they call it maybe country, or they call it flags, or they call it um, symbols in many ways. Uh, and, and what's what's behind that? And I think that curiosity brought me to, to study uh, sociology. And in this case, is how communities work. Uh, so I went very, very deep into how uh, communities work, what is the systems that they use, and how we can flourish as, as, as people, as, as individuals in those communities. Uh, and one of my first um, experiences was in sports. So it was a handball coach. It's, handball is a, uh, it's a sport, it's a combination of volleyball and basketball okay. and, and, and football. 
uh, and I was a coach for almost 20 years. So oh, wow. I, my, my focus was really getting the best out of every single player and then uh, working as a team in order to succeed. So I think that that brought me really, really in practical ways, how do we understand us as individuals and how do we maximize our full potential? And then because of what I study um, and my curiosity around uh, societies, uh, I went into the space of conflict resolution and peace uh, studies. And that's when I went into uh, the United Nations Network and I was in a post-armed conflict. You know, you have a war and then you have a reconciliation you bring democracy and then you have people like me who were international observers training the mayors and the political parties in order to bring democracy to their countries. So I did that in countries such as Bosnia and Herzegovina at the heart of Europe. Something that I saw there is so much despair and suffering after war. And that had really opened my, my eyes. I, I still remember one day I think it was 4 a.m. in the morning, and it was the day before the, the, the voting started. And there were already hundreds of people uh, in lines waiting to, to have the school open to cast their votes. And I, I met this woman, 84 years old. I still remember her, her name, Blitna. And I spoke to her and, she's, uh, and I asked her, well, this is very early, why are you here? She said, well, I, uh, I'm here because I have hope. I lost my family, my friends, uh, my, my daughter, my son, or my house, I don't have a house, but I still have hope. Um, and I think that I, I, I really want to see peace in this country and I want to be happy one day again. So when she told me that, it was like, wow, uh, you have all this suffering, all this going on, and you have people with hope and willing to be happy one day again. What's behind this? And that's what brought me into the study of the, the drivers to conflict resolution from a really deep point of view. And I discovered that we all suffer at some point, that we all have uh, barriers, uh, internal, visible, invisible. Um, and since then, I, I really focus on on creating platforms and bringing together people that can work and can share their knowledge uh, into building societies, peaceful societies that don't get in trouble any longer. And then if you get in trouble because you have an internal conflict or you have a conflict in society, how do you solve it? And how do you do it in a way where, where you can regenerate hope and you can regenerate a happiness for everybody. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Especially kind of, you know, ha having the interest in that in the beginning, and then kind of being the coach and kind of you know working with that team culture there, and then bringing that kind of to the diplomatic side of things. And in, in that sense, um, what was you know that's obviously a very interesting journey and very different uh, challenges. You know, a team versus you know a country and all that stuff. But it's really cool to hear. Um, in your example of the lady that, you know, 84 years old or whatever, and she still saw that hope. She's like, there's still chance there's still for my generation below me and, and or un that's younger than me and all that other stuff as well. That that's, that's inspiring that, that people can still uh, see that positivity, even though, you know, the years prior to that, 
probably weren't that positive, you know? So what, what, I guess like in that time frame of your life, like what, what did you, I guess, learn the most as far as, you know, how to, uh, how, how to inspire people and how to, how to kind of work through those, those things. So people could see that, that happiness that was going to, you know, eventually lead to that. Yeah, this is a great question because when you are faced and you face uh, so much uh, struggle, so much trauma, uh, you you are really facing the the dark side. What we what we understand by the dark side of life, and when you really uh, are there, that's the moment where you say, okay, how how can I get out of this, and how can I avoid for other people to suffer this much. So that, that's when I explored and I went into what can we do? And, and I spoke to psychologists around the world, neuroscientists, uh, even spiritual, spiritual leaders, uh, biologists. So I really did a lot of research about what's going on uh, when we get uh, all this trauma. And something that uh, I learned is that when somebody is facing trauma, and we see this with post-traumatic stress disorder, so many people coming uh, from, from, from wars in this case, uh, or from uh, really shocking um, situations, they, they face this trauma and they get stress. But something that I, I found is that 50% of people grow after trauma. So actually when you have a trauma, 50% gets post-traumatic stress disorder, 50% get post-traumatic post growth. So how can that happen? I mean, why people get stressed, why people grow? And when you go deeper into it, that's when you start discovering that a part of it is genetics, part of it is behavior, and part of it is our conditions. So it's your environment. And nature is part of that, by the way. Yeah. So when you understand that a lot of this is coming from our ancestors, is coming from our genetics, well, this is something that we have to be aware because not everybody is born with the same capacity or capabilities to be happy. That's why some people, for them, is natural to have in a to be in a state of bliss, to be in a state of contentment, to be in a state of positivity. But some part for some people, it's not easy at all. And then, depending on your mindset, then you change the genetics. So actually, there is a whole space called epigenetics where you are really changing through your behavior your genes in the present and for your generations to come as well. So it's very fascinating. And, and when you go deeper, you realize that uh, education focus on strengths, education focus on positivity and opportunity, mindset focus on growth, really, really help to create environments where everybody can flourish. So I think that when you go deeper and deeper and deeper and you start understanding the science behind well-being, the science behind happiness, the science behind uh, wellness, the science behind positive leadership, 
there is so much that we learn and there is so much that we have to share because we don't have that common sense on everything that make us happy. And then the last thing that I learned is that normally happy people uh, innovate more, they create more, they have better performance, they have more success. And on the other side, they don't kill, they don't harm people. So it's all, post, it's, it's all, it's all upsides. It's like, wow, what is going on? I mean, actually happy people change the world for good. Yeah. So why don't yeah. why don't we have more happy people? And so that's that's the basics. It's like okay, if we have all this bunch of happy people and they become absolutely a, a strength, they become a force for good. Why don't we have more? So that's that's kind of the rationale behind everything that we do. That's that's interesting because I mean that that totally makes sense. You explaining it where genes environment conditions all that kind of stuff kind of creates that that split between you know the the two individuals that you know see see it half full versus half empty and kind of get stuck in those or not stuck in the ruts um as well but it, and it seems like it's probably a a challenge especially when you're talking about um from a generational standpoint to to get people that that might have been their environment hasn't been good for so long for generations, for example, or something like that to kind of get them to, to shift that mindset and that stuff so that their future generations kind of turn that page. So that's no, that's, that's super interesting, especially, you know, that, that, that science behind it. So, so, so to that point, so you, so you did the, the coaching, um, um, you know, you kind of worked on the, uh, um, political ish side of things with that and kind of, and helping those situations. So what was the next step after that? Once you kind of learned more about, um, you know, when you were within those situations and these individuals and stuff like that, and started kind of grasping on the science and stuff like that, what was kind of the next progression in that, in that story? Yes. The progression of the story is that, um, something that I learned, uh, from being a diplomat is that we, from a personal point of view, I love much more being hands-on solving issues. So that was more my coaching and my journalistic background because I did I, I was a journalist as well for uh, in parallel as, as, I, as I was doing my my studies and, and coaching. So it, some I had the opportunity to move into the corporate space uh, because of my. Um, uh, communications and, and my background. And I was offered to have a, a really big job at big company, consulting company called Deloitte. Uh, so I moved to New York. And for 12 years, I was leading uh, all the marketing and branding and communications for this big corporation in 175 countries. Oh, wow. So that gave me an incredible opportunity to make real impact in thousands and thousands of people. When I joined there, I think that we were 54,000 people. And when I left, it was almost 300,000 people. Oh, wow. With hundreds of thousands of clients. And there I saw the reality of doing business for good and actually putting your energy into solving issues. 
So that was an amazing, an amazing experience. Um, and, I, and I think that that was the beginning of planting the seed to create a new platform for human progress. Um, so I was very inspired by the World Economic Forum, which is the largest forum in the world focused on, on big issues, um, but the framework is economic growth. And I thought, well, what about if instead of economic growth, uh, we had human growth? So what, what about if the framework was how do we um, multiply the opportunities for every single individual to maximize their potential instead of their money? instead of their wealth. So I, start, I started looking at wealth and the economy as a, as a driver for human progress, not the end. It wasn't the end, it's, it's part of the, the tools that we are using in order to get to human progress. Because something that I realized as well is that when we get into the trap of economic growth, many, many people around the world leave in order to pay their bills. Yeah. So because because that's part of the game. It's like, why are you working? Well, because I have to pay my bills. Well, that's that's a lack of using your talents and your passion into being the best person you can be. You are just working to pay your bills because we spend a lot of time working. So actually, what you do uh, uh, with your company is an example of how you can pay your bills, but at the same time making a huge impact. Uh, but I'm sure that you are not doing this to pay your bills. You are doing this because that's your passion. And when you find your passion and you know you find your purpose, that's the way you can uh, even generate more income. But when you have the framework of economic growth by the sake of growth, that's, that's a trap. And that's another thing that I learned is that many, many people in the world are trapped into this this situation where basically I live to work because I have to pay my, my bills. So I changed the framework and that's how I created the first ever uh, concept. Focus on, instead of capitalism, I call it capitalism. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so it's that's like, awesome. okay, how can we create a system where the ultimate currency is happiness? Uh, and it's not that forcing people to be happy. No, you can be unhappy. You can be miserable if you want. But just, just keep in mind that if you are miserable, that's like a virus. Yeah. Your unhappiness is like COVID. Yeah. It's, it's going to spread. And your happiness is, is, is like COVID too. It's going to spread. So just keep in mind, it's not just about you being unhappy and miserable. It's about you and your community. Because the more angry you are, the more unhappy you are, the more your community is gonna be unhappy and angry. So, and there's so much research that shows this. Um, so, so yes, for the last um, 10, 12 years, the framework is happy talism. How we create systems where people can maximize their potential. And then from there, uh, we managed to get the United Nations to approve the International Day of Happiness, which is uh, March 20th, forever. So it now it's been around for 10 years and it's gonna be around forever. So this is a really nice uh, opportunity for everybody to celebrate. Uh, and now, you know, every day is a day of something. Well, there is a day of happiness 
and it's an official day signed by more than uh, 195 countries around the world. Wow. Uh, And then there is a second resolution that is focused on creating economic and human systems focused on happiness and well-being. So that's a big resolution and it was signed as well by 194 countries, of course, including the US. So, and actually something interesting when we look at the US constitution, uh, what you see, the, f- the first thing that you see is that uh, uh, we, we all have the right to pursue happiness in our lives. So this is, this is part of the system already. Now what we have is to make people aware that this is good, that, I, that actually happiness is good. And that's what I've been doing over the last uh, 10, 12 years is, okay, once we have the framework, how do we bring more uh, socio-emotional skills to schools? How do, we tra- how do we train our kids to be more aware about their emotions? How do we train teachers? In the health space, now we see that we have a huge pandemic uh, and it's not COVID, it's loneliness. In the United States, one out of four people report having no friends at all. Uh, Loneliness is proven to have an impact as smoking 15 cigarettes per day. Uh, uh, is worse than obesity. Uh, So it's incredible. If we look now at teenagers, the suicide rate is skyrocketing. I mean, this is, re- this is really, really terrible, what's going on now with, lo- with loneliness and what's going on now with all this peer pressure facilitated by technology in many ways. Uh, and if we don't know how to handle it, this is really, really killing a lot of people uh, every single day, uh, everywhere. But especially in the United States, it's, it's especially heavy, it's especially uh, dramatic. So, I mean, one out of four people, zero friends. That's that's terrible. So I think that the space of happiness is not just about contentment. It's not just the the the, the bright side of things. It's as well understanding our shadows. It's as well it's as well as understanding our struggles, and to get to the wounds that we all have because we all have suffering. We all have wounds. Let's understand them. Let's heal them. And and those are the two sides of happiness, the side of suffering, and how do we uh, avoid, and how do we stop suffering as much as part of, as much as the side of how do we maximize our strengths and how do we maximize our opportunities? So those are uh, two sides that really showcase the importance of this space. And we do, uh, we do create awareness around festi- with festivals, with the largest festival in the world, focus on happiness and well-being, the World Happiness Fest, with retreats, with um, expeditions, and now, for example, with uh, the expeditions that we do, focus on with no barriers, no barriers to happiness, focus on caregivers, and focus on uh, veterans, and focus on youth. We are bringing hundreds and hundreds of people to nature, yeah, and this is an amazing yeah. link. And you know more than more than anybody else about the outdoors and the power of the outdoors, but you know, uh, Jeremy, the outdoors has a healing power. Yeah, and yeah. this is so important. When we bring people to nature, 
we do these retreats, three, three four day retreats in Colorado, in North Carolina, Maine, eh, all over. And it's amazing, the change that you have in just four or five days is just spectacular. Uh, some people say, well, oh my goodness, I, I changed in these four or five days more than I did in eight years of therapy. This is just incredible. So I think that we are trying to play big, like United Nations, uh, International Day of Happiness, but at the same time, we play really, really personal with uh, all these retreats and all these activities that we do with small groups uh, in nature. Yeah, that's that's great. And, you know, to um, a little while ago, when you mentioned kind of, you know, people are, are working to pay their bills, you know, I see so many examples of that where, you know, somebody's clearly not happy, they're complaining about it all the time, and they don't put their happiness first, sort of without realizing to your point, if you're not happy, your family's not happy, your dog's not happy, your cat's not, you know, whoever your coworkers aren't happy, it, it, it to your point, it spreads like a virus. And, and, but it's hard for some, some individuals to kind of, you know, flip that switch and kind of realize that, that, hey, you know, maybe I should, uh, you know, take a pay cut for a job that's not going to stress me out as much and then in turn make me happier for other things so I can focus on on that growth rather than being kind of stuck in that in that wheel almost. So that that part uh, totally makes sense. So so back to like, you know, obviously there's some some things that you just mentioned there, um, you know, as far as like the retreats, um, expeditions, um, obviously the the whole festival in itself. Let's kind of talk about those a little bit individually. You know, obviously you mentioned that, um, they're all, you, you're getting all this great feedback and stuff. So like for, for a retreat, you know, what, what, I guess would that look like? Like what, what are you doing within those retreats where you're seeing those results where people are like, Hey, I've been doing therapy for three years. And I, like you said, but I got more out of these four days of experiences than I, than I ever had with my therapist or whatnot. Like what, what is, what is that change that's making that, that happen? Yeah, we've been doing it because we've been doing this and testing different different activities and different uh, training programs for so long. I think that we got to a, to a combination of elements that really make these experiences really, really powerful. One is being in nature. And this is very important. Uh, everything we do, now with COVID is it, it became a uh, it, it became an issue because it was difficult to get together and we tried online and actually online is working very, very well. But what yeah. we know is that uh, we want to use and we are using online. We have a uh, programs at home uh, where people cannot travel and people can get access to other people and to knowledge and insights. And we try to be as practical as possible. But what we know that is a key element of for healing. In this case, we're talking about deep healing after trauma is, is the possibility of being in nature. And in this case, when we talk about nature, we are talking about outdoors where you can be in a forest. Actually, in, in many countries already, there are therapies that you go to the doctor and they give they, they invite you to have a forest bath, for wow. example. Okay. So, so, and that's part of the therapy. It's like, go to the forest, get a forest bath because it's proven that uh, nature because of interconnectedness uh, is bringing us into a state of balance. So when we are in nature, we go to the, to the basic 
state of balance at so many levels, uh, sound, frequency, energy, and is it really stabilized so many of um, of uh, from minerals to the way we perceive things. So I think that the state of balance that you get when you're in nature is one of the, the key elements of all this healing that goes behind these retreats, behind these retreats. The second element, key element is team, is healing in groups. So normally we say, well, um, it's a one-on-one -on -one therapy. It's a one-on-one -on -one, um, uh, intervention that I'm gonna be having. And it's very important because it's, really, it's true that if you personally, you don't want to change or you don't have the capabilities for change, change is not gonna happen. But what we know as well is that collective healing requires collective, uh, sorry, collective trauma requires collective healing and accelerates collective healing. What that means is that there are so many people who are facing the same issues. And sometimes we think that we are alone with our own issue. Uh, because uh, we don't we don't get access and we don't understand that we are sharing humanity. But when we understand that we are facing similar issues to other people, and we get together with those people with similar issues and we share them, that openness and opening up to that opportunity is healing by itself. So actually sharing with who, with people who truly understand what you are facing because they are facing the same thing is super powerful. But so what we do is that we get these groups of people with similar issues together in nature, and then we keep them together. So we call the rope, we call this, we call these rope teams. It's you know, rope team comes from the terminology when you are climbing, yeah, people rope to each other. So if somebody falls the rest of the team is gonna help that person. So we use that concept, the concept of rope team. And that really works because you are opening yourself to others in nature. When you leave, you are um, going back and you keep your rope team. So this is another key element of why these retreats work very well. And then the third one is the whole programming that we do. So we have um, so many activities, so many um, insights that we share that are really transformative, uh, not just because of the knowledge part, but actually the embodiment. So we really show people how to embody. So it's not about talking about happiness, it's embodying happiness. How do you embody uh, what you want to be? How, if you want to be compassionate, how do you become compassion? If you want to forgive, how do you become forgiveness yourself? So it's, it's, it's a very subtle change, but it's not, it's not the same being happy that being happiness. Okay, yeah. Because, because the ness always is embodiment. So I think that that's, that's part of what we incorporate as part of the training. So those three elements, nature, team building, and specific programming, I think is the is 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 secret. To the impact that we create. Yeah, it's it's cool how you, how you kind of bring all those together, like you said, and then also giving those individuals kind of that 
that connection with the people with inside their group as well. So after their retreat or after, you know, whatever that they can, so you know, I'm sure stay in touch with each other and kind of, kind of do th- work through that. So like, like in that case, how, you know, how, how are you finding the people, I guess, that are, are recognizing that they, that they need more happiness. They need to embody all these different feelings how do you find those people that are, that are willing to do that? And then also when it actually gets to them getting there, is it, is it kind of, does it kind of depend on the individual as far as, you know, maybe when they start opening up to, to these different things in this different understanding, or is that, cause you know, for some people, I, I feel like that could be an, an, an intimidating in some ways um, to do that. So how do you kind of find that balance? And then also, you know, how do you reach out and find these individuals that could obviously benefit from something like this? Yeah. Well, in this case, we, we use a double approach. One is we partner with many institutions that uh, are already working with, um, in this case, if we are talking about the no barriers, the space is caregivers, is people with persistent struggles. If we are talking about the World Happiness Fest Foundation, it's more about uh, teachers and guides that are training and other people in order to make an impact. So okay. I think that uh, it's so interesting because those two audiences are so complementary. In one sense, we are training and we are creating leaders to have all the capabilities and all the skills. On the other hand, we are working with people who struggle a lot. So I think that uh, partnering with institutions is, is, is one. And the second one, we are super active on social media channels, on marketing in order to recruit and source people. So I think something that you learn as well is that you, when you start talking in a way and you start giving stories and telling stories, you are gonna be attracted specific people. So we try to be very smart with the messaging that we use and with our communications and, um, and media partners, because the way you communicate is going to be attracting a lot, of, a lot of people. I've been in many events where suddenly you talk to somebody and say, well, I actually saw your Facebook ad and I was so compelled by the messaging. And that's why I'm here. So I think it's so interesting to see uh, that uh, is about the messaging as much as your partnership with institutions. So I think we try to play both ways. Is we create awareness and then we partner very specifically with universities, with research centers, with clinics, um, and with uh, institutions that really want to create a, a, a world, we say, with more freedom, consciousness, and happiness for everybody. Yeah, that, that makes sense. So like in, in one way, you know, in, in the, in the ad example, you know, it might be somebody that um, is on the verge that know that, that they know that there's something missing. And then, and then that message just speaks to them the right way. And they start learning more and kind of happen organically that way, which is, which is awesome because, you know, you, you think about a, a ripple effect with everything. So, you know, maybe they have a friend that might be in the same spot as them they're like hey i just saw this i checked this out do you want to you know you should check it out as well and it probably grows grows that way which is awesome so 
besides um so besides the, the retreat let's talk a little bit more about the um the festival exactly because obviously it's i'm sure it's like a, a huge retreat in itself and i know there's a bunch <laughs> of different countries going on and a, and a lot of moving parts so let's talk about that a little bit more yes so i mean we truly believe that happiness is about celebration as much as i mean you can go to the science you can understand the drivers the activators, so something very important for everybody to understand is that one thing is happiness, the other thing, another thing is the activators to happiness. Okay. So how do you activate your happiness? And nature is one of them. So that's one activator. But actually, you look at the, long, the longest research ever in the history, and this is Harvard University, they've been tracking for more than 80 years, wow. uh, multiple generations and what makes them happy. And the number one reason is relationships. Okay. It's about having at least one good friend. So that's super, super important. So when, when you understand that and you understand what are the activators to this happiness, and there are so many, then what we are trying with this, all these festivals is to organize them in a way where we use many of the activators and we teach people how to activate their own happiness and their families and their community's happiness. So the whole festival itself, it's, it's amazing. I mean, the energy is so huge because we are using many techniques that we know they work in order to activate this happiness. So for example, uh, music is definitely one of the activators for so many people. So, so we bring music. Um, what you eat is very important. So actually the whole space of food and nutrition is very, very important. So it's not like skipping lunch or having a, a no good food uh, during those days. No, it's actually having really, really, really good food and a very healthy. Uh, then something that we know that works is, is small groups. So we organize, even with many people, we organize um, small groups. So for every nine people, there is one facilitator. So okay. we have hundreds and hundreds of people that at some point are going to be facilitating discussions in circles with all these nine people. Uh, so we have all these different elements. Uh, and now what we, what we manage after all these years is to expand the concept into uh, more than 70 countries. So we have all these uh, small fests uh, everywhere in the world now. And it could be, I mean, from Istanbul in, in Turkey to uh, New York, uh, from New York or from San Francisco to Argentina, and from Spain in Zaragoza to uh, China, we have seven cities in China. So it's very cool because it, it just takes you one person to organize one of these festivals. Uh, and because they are expanding, they are like, um, like circles of expansion. And, and it's pretty cool because uh, we do this around March 20th, which is International Day of Happiness. We try to, all, to do all this for free. So actually everybody can join online for free. Uh, we are combining online 
with offline, so with these physical events, but the online agenda is, a, is a spectacular. And we try to, to bring all this content uh, for free to everybody. Uh, so, so this is the way we are structured. They are pretty fun. Uh, and, and it's about building community, knowing that we can, we can rely on somebody else to, to, maximize, to maximize our happiness. Yeah. So with that in so many different countries and cities and everything else, how many, how many people would you say, I guess, during that festival are, are involved either online or offline and both and kind of all that stuff? I, I would imagine it's a pretty big number. So, <laughs> yeah, well, it's growing every year, every year is growing. Uh, I think this year, no, last year in March, I think we were able to reach up, uh, up to 10 million people in oh, wow. social media. In so, but in social media, and then uh, there were more than uh, 150,000 people online, uh, and then by country and by city, it really depends, but you can have from nine, that's the minimum. We say, okay, you want to organize, by the way, if somebody wants to organize one of these events, uh, you are completely welcome, you only need nine people. The moment that you create a group of nine people, then you become an agora, what we call, Agora host okay. is, a, is somebody that is a meeting, is a meetup, and a, somebody can share their knowledge around hiking. Somebody can share their knowledge about cooking. Somebody can share their knowledge if they are PhDs about biology or whatever they want. But is is that's it? That's why this is a spreading very fast because you don't need a lot. Uh, there are no barriers <laughs> to have in this case. Um, and uh, so, but yeah, we are getting to big, big numbers. But in this case, the most important thing for us is that once you create awareness, then we do the big impact. And the big impact is through these retreats, the experiences, and bringing these groups that are struggling and facing uh, challenges uh, to nature uh, as often as we can. Yeah, that's that, that, and that totally makes sense as well. And in, in- you know, I mean, that's, that's obviously a lot of people. And even at the, even with the smaller groups, it kind of goes back to that ripple effect, even if it's only a group of nine versus a group of, you know, thousands or whatever, that's so going to create that, um, that, that ripple, that kind of positivity, that happiness where at least it will start rubbing off on, on other people around them. So that's awesome. So one, one question I always like to ask, um, is kind of one piece of advice for our listeners, um, and I think obviously in this case, obviously World Happiness Foundation, um, you know, what, what is a piece of advice that you could give someone that, you know, maybe it's that person that, like we mentioned with the social media ad uh, earlier, where they kind of know they're, something's missing, some fulfillment, that, that happiness, that embodiment. What would, you, what would you tell them to kind of, or what advice would you give them to kind of I, I guess accept that and then and then search that and seek that and, and kind of bring that into their life, realizing that that's something that they're missing, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. These are, these are very important questions because some people get confused uh, with happiness and they think that this is all about being happy all the time. And it's not. Actually, the first step to achieve a state of happiness is to be sad. So, Makes so sense, it's, I mean. So it's, it's like, it's not obvious, but uh, in one single hour, 
we can face so many emotions and we can feel in so many different ways. The first step, if we really want to achieve a state of happiness is to understand all those emotions. And one of them is gonna be worried. We're gonna have fear. We're gonna feel sad. We cannot hide those emotions. We have to listen to them. They are telling us something. We have to learn from them. We have to embrace them and we have to really live them. So this is very important. If we try to hide them, if we, will, if we try to forget about them, if we try to push them to the side, they are gonna come back all the time. So we have to, leave, we have to take care of them. We have to understand them. We have to understand why we feel sad. What is the root cause of that sadness? And normally sadness is, is super important because sadness is, is what allows every single individual to go deeper into themselves if they focus on it and then grow. So actually happiness is not what allows us to grow. What allows us to grow is sadness. It, because that's the moment if we understand it and if we embrace it, that is gonna push us to another state. And that other state is more a state of courage. Because normally when, when you move out of from sadness is going to require courage. That courage is what really moves out from states where we can destroy energy, where we can be miserable and happy as we were talking before, to a state where we can really give our best self to everybody else. So I think between sadness and feeling better, there is a step which is courage. So this is what we work a lot, is how do we embrace sadness? How do we use courage? And how do we move into more state of love that is going to ultimately bring us into a state of fundamental peace? That's what we call. So this is my first advice. The first advice is become a bit more aware about your emotions. And once you are feeling something, why don't you go deeper and say, okay, wh what is this coming from? What is this telling me? What for is this feeling? Because everything is telling us something. So that would be my first advice. And, and it's, it's a very powerful uh, way to really evolve as, a, as an indi individual, not being afraid of talking to our feelings. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense and in, in understanding that. And, and, and while that makes sense, that's, you know, honestly, honestly, it's not something that I really thought about at first, you know, you got to recognize those other feelings too, before you can kind of get to that spot and that, that progression and, and kind of deeper understanding of what, what is causing those, those feelings as well. So no, I think that's, that's excellent, excellent advice there. So where, where can people find, um, you online, social media, figure out how to get involved um, in a retreat or expedition or the, the festival coming up, any of that good stuff. Where, where can they all find you online? Yeah, it's, a, it's very easy. It's worldhappiness.foundation. So when, when they go there, um, they can find everything about the festival and everything else. And then if you are looking for, for, uh, for small experiences, 
uh, more focus on struggles and, and barriers, I will recommend going to nobarriersusa.org. So nobarriersusa.org is the space where we do all these small retreats in nature and focus on persistent struggles and disabilities. And World Happiness Foundation will be more the space in order to grow as a teacher, as a guide, as somebody who is going to bring your skills to groups and to change the reality for many other people. Awesome. And to, get, and to the festival. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, everyone, definitely uh, make sure you, you go to those two websites, check them out. Um, you know, I this is a uh, I, I, we've, you've heard about no barriers before. So you kind of already know what they're, what they're doing. So check them out again, but then also kind of this other level with the world happiness foundation, everything. It's some awesome stuff. And, you know, I love the, the idea, you know, behind everything. So thank you so much for your time. Um, and I wish you much the happiness in, uh, 2022. Love it. And thank you so much, Jeremy, for everything that you do is just spectacular. And I think that not just the t-shirt, but the philosophy, and, and the apparel, uh, of course, as part of that, that you are creating is, is really transforming for good. It's so many people, the support that you give to non-for-profits is spectacular. And uh, please keep going. We need, we need people like you. Well, I, I definitely appreciate that. And, you know, just trying to do my kind of small part to help out the organizations that are doing an even bigger part. So I'm, I'm happy to, to be able to share the stories and, and, and help out in the different ways that I can. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And hey, if you made it this far and like what you've heard, go ahead and hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about life emotion. Until next time.